preaching because some people will, like uh, last week I thought it was just me, I was just being a whiner or complainer, or, and then I don't know, I, don't, I just felt weird last week and I had several people say that was, I, I needed that. So I, you just never know what it is. And then this week I thought, man, we should have covered these last week because this is kind of along those same lines, but I, I don't know. I don't know what you need. We're just letting the Lord be in charge. So we're going to begin here in verse number uh, uh, 12. And the reason we stopped at 11 last week was because he said, amen. I guess we just think, okay, amen, let's go home, let's eat. Let's, that's the end, it's over. <laughs> no, amen. And uh, uh, we're going to begin at verse number 12. Uh, let's just kind of, let's pray first, and then we'll just work down through these, and then we'll go eat. How's that sound? Okay, all right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, Lord. We uh, uh, thank you for the songs that we've sung. Lord, we thank you for the offering that was taken, and we just uh, do again, uh, Lord, pray that you would bless that. Lord, as we uh, open up your scripture this morning, Lord, we just pray that uh, you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord, that we would be encouraged this morning, that uh, your name would be lifted up, and Lord, that uh, uh, everything would be accomplished this morning. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that's not saved, we pray that you would do that as well, Lord, that you would convict hearts, Uh, Lord, show us your love. And I pray that you would be honored in everything that's said and done this morning. We ask you to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, first Peter chapter number 4. Is anybody keeping track? How long have we been here? We're not worried about it, are we? We're just taking our time. We, we may only get one verse done this, this morning. I, I gave Cody the list and Nicole said, that's it? <laughs> so, good news. That's it. Verse number 12, beloved, don't you just like it when the Bible says that? Don't you just, don't you just like it? Now, remember, you got to picture old Peter, and I think that's what's kind of important. I mean, we know that this was penned by Peter through inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and um, I I, I was, uh, I I told Christy, I, I found a new preacher that I like listening to this week. And um, he, he kind of pointed out a couple things in Scripture that I don't think I'd necessarily um, picked up on before. He was, he was actually pe- preaching um, about Paul, but he made the contrast between Paul and Peter, which that contrast is there in the New Testament. And um, he was kind of talking about and pulled some things out of Scripture. It's just, it's a living book. It, it, sometimes it's hard to catch all the details. There's so much in it. And he said, well, Paul was kind of just this kind of quiet, laid-back guy, and he pulls verses out. I'm like, I guess I'd never really thought about that before, but yeah. And then he said, Peter was just kind of loud and outspoken and mouthy, and I'm like, yep, picked up on that. (laughs) And uh, But has anybody kind of noticed that as we've we've kind of been going through here? And it would be really neat to take... To take the the study of these two book, these two books, and then maybe break it down with Paul's writings uh, once we when when we get through Second Peter, maybe, and just kind of look at the contrast, and really just look how God can use two different people that are just kind of almost at opposite ends of the spectrum, and how God can use both of those people um, to just bring us together. And aren't you glad you're not all as loud and mouthy as me? <laughs> oh, good. Nobody said amen. <laughs> um, but, you know, God often does that. He brings, brings two people maybe that, that are different. And, and I've noticed sometimes he does that in marriage, doesn't he? It's kind of it's neat because you fit together and you mesh together and, and you may 
Uh, compliment. Ooh, that's good. That's, that's kind of what it is. You, you compliment one another. How many of you like sweet and sour candy? I do. I, I like sweet. How about sweet and sour Chinese stuff? I, I, yeah, I, I, that, comp, that compliments the sweet and the sour. And, and my mom is a sweet and salty fanatic. She likes, I've seen her do some weird stuff over my days. Just that, that sweet and salty. How many of you like sweet and salty stuff? She takes saltine crackers and puts them in milk. Oh, it's weird. It's so weird. <laughs> I don't. I must. I don't know where that comes from. I, I'm caught. What? Oh, crackers and coffee. I don't know if that's a Kentucky thing. Oh, that's been a long time. Oh, you, you people are gross. <laughs> you, you people are... I thought she was weird with the, with the crackers and milk. As weird as I get is pork and beans and cottage cheese. Now, you can't mix them together. You have to take a, just a both. That's as weird as I get. You say ooh. You say ooh, but everybody that's tried it said, that's not half bad. All our kids eat it like that now. It's, it's good. Uh, so anyway, how'd we get there? Rabbit trail. That rabbit's gone. We ain't even getting it back. It, it, opposites, yes. Uh, complementary things. And um, as we see uh, Peter here writing, we, you know, I just kind of, I see this rough, gruff, fisherman, loud, outspoken kind of guys. Anybody else kind of just picture that? Or maybe I've said that almost every other week, so maybe that's what you have pictured. But look how he, uh, after he said amen, this is a different thought, beloved, beloved. And I think we covered that last week, that especially, especially us as believers, we, have, we should have the same mind. We ought to have the same goals and ambitions in life, and we ought to... Now, we're not all going to be the same. We're, we're, there's going to be different ends of the spectrum. Apparently, some of you like weird stuff with your coffee, and uh, us normal people, we, we don't. <laughs> But some people might like creamer in their coffee. You put water in your coffee, too. That, something with you and weird coffee. I think you need to go back to college and take a coffee class. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we complement each other. And we're not all going to be the same on every aspect. I mean, you know, there's some people that like Fords, and I don't know why. And then there's those of us that are Christ-like. And we know that that's... <laughs> Listen, shutting me off. There he goes. <laughs> He's t- I've heard enough. This isn't inspired by God. Let's go home. <laughs> but uh, we, we all have different. We're just different. We're, we're made different. And, and that's, that's great. That's, that's healthy. And, and that's what, isn't that what makes the world go round? I think there's a song. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad example. But that's, 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 what, that's what gives us different capabilities, gives us different emphasis. And it just makes us different. But you know, if we're not careful, those differences can divide us, can't they? Just like the Chevy Ford thing. <laughs> but, but not even just the Chevy Ford thing. We, we may have different emphasis on different areas and aspects of our life than somebody else. And if we're not careful, we can be divided by those things. You know, just like we look at Peter and Paul. Now, uh, it really kind of hit me this week because I, I hadn't really thought of Paul as just being that kind of soft, meek, quiet, reserved. And for me, it's, I'm not real, I don't, am I obnoxious? 
Would I, would I call myself obnoxious? No. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> That's brave to ask. I, di- I didn't. I didn't get a yes. So <laughs> yet. Um, but uh, you know, for me to, uh, I, I guess I'm not shy and I'm not backwards. Um, you know, I'm just maybe sometimes a little too brazen and bold. I don't know that. Yeah, I guess I, I can be. Okay, yeah, I can be. Christy's like, yeah. <laughs> so for me to to look at someone that's kind of reserved and soft-spoken, um, but I, I get along with those kind of people. Look at Sam. He's probably the quietest guy I know. He's not in here. We can talk about him. But Sam is really reserved and quiet and, you know, just that. But we get along great. Isn't that how friendships and relationships and even in the house of God, God just uses all those things to bring us together. And God has used Peter, the loudmouth, <laughs> to, to give us this book. But, but what I want us to glean from this today, especially, is, is what he says here. Beloved. Beloved. Because I think I can sometimes come across as opinionated and bold and possible possibly obnoxious, I hear you're giggling in the back, <laughs> that that may not equate to compassion and caring and, and so forth. Am I the only one drawing those lines? <clears throat> Christy's agreeing with me. She sees it from me. <laughs> but this loudmouth, obnoxious fisherman that sometimes sticks his foot in his mouth, see how I, that's why I relate to Peter, I think. <clears throat> but he has this compassionate streak in him. And he's not always eager to reveal it, and including myself. I think I revealed that last week, but I have that compassionate streak in me. And it's not always seen, and it's not always revealed, but it's there. And as Peter begins with this next segment, segment he's, he addresses everybody like that. And this isn't the first time that he said beloved when he's writing to who? Us. Us. That, that word beloved is like a, an, an, a very valuable, endearing term. That's why preachers begin weddings with that. You know, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today in the sight of Almighty God and however that just goes on. But it, it's kind of reminding everybody that, hey, this is something special that's taking place and this couple wanted you to be a witness of it. That's, that's really what that means. Like you are valuable enough to be part of this deal. That, that's what being invited to a wedding is. Sometimes we get wedding invitations and we're like, oh, that's going to blow a whole Saturday in the summer. What are they thinking? Who gets married on Christmas Day? What is wrong with these people? Isn't that sometimes, be honest, isn't that what we think we get wedding invitations? Like the 4th of July, who gets married on the 4th of July? It's going to burn a whole, come on, make an excuse on why we can't go. If we're not careful, we'll think of that. But no, hey, it is, they sought some value and inviting us. There's my loud mouth obnoxious. And I'm bringing some compassion back into it. But think about that, that you are valuable and important enough for them to invite you. Now, this illustration was supposed to be last week. We didn't get time for it. You're welcome. Uh, there was a boy uh, back in the day, and he went to his, his dad. This is, this is so something like why it would come to me and ask. And, and he asked his dad, he said, he said Dad, how, how, what's, how valuable am I? And I think that's probably something all kids want to know. You know, what's my worth? What's my value? What's my whatever? 
And instead of the dad just telling him, he said, go find the nicest rock you can find. And he said, I want you to take it to town and price it for $2. He said, don't say a word. He said, when somebody says, that's a nice rock, how much? He said, just hold up your fingers. The little boy said, okay. So he goes and finds the nicest rock he can find. He takes it to town. He's walking down the street, and a lady said, wow, that's a nice rock. How much do you want for that rock? And the little boy, following his dad's instructions, held up two fingers. So he holds up two fingers, and the lady says, wow, $2. That's a nice rock for $2. I'll take it. So he sold the lady the rock for $2. He goes home, and he said, the, fir the first lady I met on the street... I held up two fingers. I just I did exactly what you said to do, and she paid me $2 for the rock. He said, now go find another one just like it. He said, and take it to the museum. Or he said, take it to, take it to a jeweler. He said, take it to a jeweler. And he said, and when they ask you how much, he said, hold up two fingers. <clears throat> so the little boy finds another rock, same condition, same shape, takes it to the jeweler in town, and the jeweler said, wow, that's a nice rock. How much? The little boy held up two fingers. <clears throat> he said, $2,000 is an awful lot of money, but that's an awful nice rock. And he paid the boy $2,000. The little boy went home. And he's like, give me $2,000 for this rock. And the dad said, okay, go find another rock exactly like that. He said, and go to the museum and hold up two fingers. So the little boy goes to the museum, takes the rock in there, and the museum director said, wow, that is a very nice rock. How much? <laughs> Little boy held up two fingers. I can imagine him starting to smirk at this point. Held up two fingers. And the museum curator says, $2 million is a lot of money, but that is a very valuable rock. So the little boy goes home and says, give me $2 million for this rock. Now, logical thinking, you're like, well, they're done. He's, he's retired. <clears throat> but the, the, so the father said, well, here's the moral of the story. Your value depends on the people you're surrounded by. And isn't that the truth? That's the same way with us. Our value is dependent on the people we surround ourselves by. And we see that everywhere we go. Lost people have a lot less value on us because they, they value life less. Isn't that the truth? You know, we, uh, we were talking a couple Sunday nights ago about <clears throat> in a lot of Muslim countries, <clears throat> the value that they have on the human life is so much less than in the United States. What they do to people in the streets is, is horrible. And part of that reason is because of the value that they have for the human life. They look at infidels or sinners or wicked people so low that they, they set them on fire in the streets, they chop their heads off, you name it, because their value of life is so less. We come to the United States, which we hope it's still a majority Christian nation, but we know there's a lot of lost people in this world. And even lost people in the United States still have more of a value for life than in other countries, but we still have had 70 million people killed in the womb in this country in the last 40 years, 50 years, <coughs> 60 years that we know about. So what does that say that our, our country and our nation is valuing life less and less and less every day? But those of us that are saved and have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we know that life is valuable, don't we? All life, whether, it, whether you can go see it or whether it's in the womb, 
it's valuable. Paul's saying, or Peter's saying here, beloved, he's talking to everybody. We are all valuable in God's eyes, aren't we? We all have that value. We're all worth that $2 million rock. See, it just depends on who's asking the question. What, how, how, much, how loved are we? Well, as Christians, we know that we are, we are held above the stars. We're more valuable than anything. We're more valuable than all the money in the earth. We're more valuable than anything. And if we're not careful, sometimes we'll get that pity party attitude, well, nobody cares about me, I'll just go eat worms. No, we're, we're valuable. And sometimes if we don't remember that we are of the beloved, we're of the beloved, that, that's how much we're worth. And if God views us as that, shouldn't we view each other as that? The beloved? Dearly beloved, that's us. That, that's an endearing term. That's a term that this rough and gruff Apostle Peter, this mountain man of men, still loved everybody. Isn't that, isn't that nice? And, and you know, when you discover and you realize that someone actually cares about you, <clears throat> what's that old saying? You don't care how much... You don't... Ah, I'm so bad with quotes. <laughs> you... you Something like you, you, you don't care how much somebody knows until you know how much they care. That's how it goes. You don't care how much somebody knows until you know how much they care. Did I get it right? Keith's our quoter, is that right? <laughs> Pretty close, redneck kind of way. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, we, we uh, in, the, in the message last week was this. Sometimes we, I, sometimes I, am not equipped enough my flesh gets in the way, my toughness gets in the way, my uh, pride sometimes gets in the way to not display and not show someone how much I care. Am I the only one that falters there? Probably not. I think we all have, can have issues with that. And we just look at that as not being tough, and maybe this is uh, directed more of us guys, but sometimes we just put on the the hard brass shoulders, and sometimes maybe life is... <laughs> I know Christy asked me one time, one of the examples that I won't give the whole details, but she's like, why, do you, why are you that way? I'm like, I just feel like life has gotten me down, stomped me, kicked my hind end, and this is what's left. I didn't word it exactly like that, but it was, she was bringing out a fault in me, and, and that's what my excuse was, was I just feel like life has kicked my hind end. Anybody else ever felt like that? Life has just whooped me over, and this is what's left. You know how stupid that is? That is so dumb. That is so dumb to think that. Look what Peter here says. Beloved, and this is why, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. What? What? So I look back at that conversation I had. I just feel like life has kicked my hind end. You big baby, cry me another one. <laughs> Has anybody else ever felt like that? I just feel like I've just been ground into dirt and this is what's left. What is that? It's trials. Trials of life. Has anybody ever gone through a trial of life? Hey, think it not strange. Is <laughs> basically what Peter's getting at. He's, he's, all right, beloved, think it not strange, the fiery trials hey, you're not the only one that's been had your hind end kicked by this world, is what he's getting at. Think it not strange. It's going to happen to everybody, which is to try you. 
Now, we often think that trials just come from this wicked, sin-cursed world that we live in, don't we? Oh, it's just the devil. Let's blame it on the devil. Let's blame it on wickedness. Let's blame it on this, that, and the other. We never want to look at it as think of ourselves like we've made bad decisions, do we? That's not even part of the equation. <clears throat> like, I would never make a bad decision and bring a trial upon myself. No, it has nothing to do with that. Sin, this couldn't be because of sin. No, no, no. <clears throat> but, hey, look at it like this. We just read one of the greatest chapters in Proverbs on children, child discipline, didn't we? <laughs> and, and it didn't, and it was, what was it talking about? Chastening, chastisement. And why do we do that with our children? So they won't do it again, right? You ask your, you know, we, uh, I, I, we're, we're going through this, we're beginnings, beginning this training with Ruby. Oh, but there's a, a rough time there before that training starts, and it's it's a rough time when when you're at that stage with kids, and when you got like a whole slew of them. Sometimes you get focused on one, and the one in the middle gets kind of left behind, and he turns out to be the wicked one. I don't know what I'm talking about, but but if you're not careful, we as parents will will we have to keep this balance. And I you know I think training children. I, like, we didn't have a class on it in college that we could take that I know of. Like, I didn't get a per se owner's manual that says this is how you deal with this specific situation. We just have the Bible to help us with it, don't we? And then we also have our own flesh to deal with, the onslaught of what other people will think. You know, that's, that's when it's really hard to discipline your children in the sight of other people. That's why you want to take them out of the sight of other people and... Sometimes that's not convenient, so I know sometimes I'll snatch one of mine up, take them over, have a conversation with them, and you're like, man, they probably just think we're the hardest thing in the world on our kids. And I think, oh, if they'd raised our kids, they'd be hoodlums, you know, like they're worse than what they already are. Like, because how many of you just wanted to snatch a kid up in Walmart and say, come here, let me help, let me show you how to deal with this? Oh, yeah, we've, we've all been to those situations before, haven't we? Yes, our own kids, we have done that. We, we have done that with our own kids. Uh, we, uh, this is, this is, no, we won't go there. <clears throat> anyway, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you. Hey, don't think it strange. I, I said, uh, I don't know, maybe it's been a month or so ago, that the same heat will soften a potato that hardens an egg. Isn't that true? Um, if anybody has some glass in their house on a door, do you know that glass on that door is different than the other windows in your house? We found out this week at our house that we have a piece of glass in our house that's not that special kind of glass. <laughs> Ruby found it, actually. <clears throat> and what that glass is that's in your door, it's called tempered glass. So where if, if something... Uh, and I... I and, and Ted, you probably deal with this too. You go to a, you go to changing windows in a house. Well, I want to put a window here, and you say, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute, that has to be tempered glass, and they're about twice as much as regular glass. So when we go to buy this thing, instead of it being a $400 window, it's probably going to be an $800 window. How bad do you want a window there? 
and dad has a sunroom in the back of his house and he's I want this all windows I want a window here one windows here and he went to order the windows and to order them by code he's whoa those are how much because the glass is different in them because if you come in with snow on your boots and you slip on the tile and you throw an elbow through a window they want it to shatter into a million quadrillion pieces so that it's not just shards of jagged glass and lay you open that's the that's the premise beside that and not only that but those windows are harder they're they're harder and we just know them as tempered windows do you do you know that there is no special ingredients in that window than there is in another window this is why i love how they charge you twice for them all it is is when they temper that glass they just bring the temperature up a little higher when they make it and it makes puts a little bit more tension in that glass makes that glass a little harder, but when it breaks, it goes into a bunch of pieces and it won't kill you. What is it? That's a trial. It's different. It's been treated different than a regular window. Hey, do you know when we treat our children different when we raise them than we do other people's children? Because we, we do that with our own children, don't we? You know, if I was teaching junior church and there was a couple kids acting up, and mine was one of them, I would take mine directly to the bathroom and I would temper them. <laughs> I wonder if that's where we get temper tantrum at. Maybe that's where that comes from. But I would treat my child different than I would someone else's. You know, God does the same thing with you and I. He treats us different than He does lost people. How many of you have ever, <laughs> I know we've all done this, how many of you have ever looked at someone else that's not, maybe there's, whoever it is, family member, friend, neighbor, and you look at them and you think, man, they could like fall into a pile of mud and come out with a handful of $100 bills. Look what I found in here. We all, we all know that person, don't we? How many of you have ever thought, well, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm doing what you want. Why can't I fall in a puddle of mud and come out with $100 bills? Has anybody ever thought that? Or is everybody just don't want to admit that? You're making me feel bad now. <laughs> we all think that, don't we? Well, God, why are they different than I am? It's the fiery trials. God's not going to treat people that aren't His children different than He will His own children. <clears throat> Sometimes we have fiery trials and it's to try us. It's to make us better. You know, we look at it as just, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. Why are we going through this? I was kind of whiny last week. We all kind of get that way sometimes. Why is this happening? Why, why are we going through this? Why, I didn't, I, this wasn't my plan. I didn't want this to happen. Well, look, beloved, think not it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you. Interesting. You know, sometimes the trials that we go through are to strengthen us. And this is a rarity that we don't often think of. And I, uh, I had a, a friend of mine that they were expecting a child, and that's, I mean, that's the great time, right? And they knew that there was some trouble with the baby early on. And they didn't tell anybody for a while, and then they decided to tell people. Like, how hard would that be to be expecting a baby and to know that there was something majorly wrong with this baby and the doctors prepared them and said 
we don't we don't expect it to live and if it does it'll just be a few hours so this pregnancy that they had was not a joyous pregnancy the baby was born and she just lived about a day and him and I were I, I was actually in his office one time and we were praying and I, I mean, months after the fact, I could tell it was still bothered him. And I said, do you, do you know God will use this? And you'll be able to minister to people that somebody else never could. And he, and he knew that. But do you know, those are trials that sometimes we face in our life that we don't actually have any idea why we're going through it. But do you know today that if somebody in this church ever had that problem, do you know who I would send them to? To him. With, I wouldn't even balk. I wouldn't even hesitate. I would say, hey, here's Josh Dixon. I want you to go talk to him. Because they've gone through a fiery trial that I haven't. Him and his wife have an understanding of what that's all about that I will, I hopefully I will never understand. I will never know. I'll never, I'll never be able to help someone through that. But I know who can. What is that? That's a fiery trial that has tried them. We, we often look, we get so selfish sometimes that we go through things and we just think, why me? Why is this? I didn't have this in my plans. I didn't have this in my playbook. But God all along says, I, I got just the thing for it. I know exactly who you'll be able to help and who you'll be able to minister to. Do you know that he has helped lost people through that? Because why this, this fiery trial? that you and I could never, and maybe you could, I don't know, I don't know everybody's past in here, maybe, maybe you could help someone through that. that that's a fiery trial. <clears throat> They're to try us. Look, keep, let's keep going. <coughs> the fiery trial, which is to try you, as through uh, some strange thing happened unto you. We, we find these things strange. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, that we're not the first, first person to ever have trouble with a wayward son or daughter. Uh, I think it might have been Christy was talking about this the other day. You can't hardly read the Old Testament and just say, man, that, that worked out perfect for everybody. You know, the Bible is one of the most, if you just look at, if you just like look at the first of every story... <laughs> <laughs> like if you had a great big DVD of the Bible and you started watching it, like, ooh, that's depressing. Fast forward to the next story. Oh, that's depressing. Fast forward to the, oh, that's horrible. Fast forward to the next story. Every account that's in the Bible is that. Think about that. Every story, every person, every couple almost in the Bible had something horrible happen to them. I can't think of anybody's life in the Bible that it just went perfect all the way from the beginning all the way to the end. Maybe Enoch, but we don't have all the details on his life. I mean, you know, sometimes we just get their name mentioned in a couple verses and that's it. We don't get the whole panoramic view or the whole snapshot of their life. But you look at some of these people in the Bible and you're like, that's, that's horrible. That's awful. What in the world happened? Why, why were you doing that? Think it not strange. The fiery trials that you're going to experience in your life. You know, sometimes when I get to feeling a little down and depressed, I'm like, you know who my go-to guy is? Joseph. I, don't, I just think, like, the worst life experiences in the world. If, if you're feeling 
kind of depressed and like life has you against you, just take about 30 chapters and, and read Joseph's life and you're like, huh, I, this ain't half bad. <laughs> about 25 chapters there, you can see Joseph's life. And do you know the la- what's the last phrase that you remember in Joseph, or me anyway, Joseph saying? The last phrase in his life that sticks out is this. He's talking to his brothers and he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Man, that'll kind of help you reevaluate the trials in your life, won't it? Hey, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And sometimes we'll get down in this ditch and we'll just think, nobody cares, nobody loves me, everything's going horribly wrong, these bills are piling up, I can't pay that guy, this truck's broke down today, what in the world is going on? Hey, uh, God meant it for good. Am I, am I right? <clears throat> I got this going on wrong with health. This is going on in the family. This is going on here. This is going on at work. What is going on? It's Think it not strange. Basically, we're all going to experience this. <laughs> One of the things we looked at in Sunday school this morning, which starts at 9 o'clock, there's a challenge going on. Proud of you two. <clears throat> is this. This world was under control and all the dominion and all the power and everything was handed to Adam. And Adam gave that over to Satan. Think it's going to be rose petals, butterflies, rainbows and unicorns after that? No. The Bible says that this earth itself groans and travails. Why? Because of sin. So why do we think it's going to be? Why, why do we think it's just going to be wonderful? That's because that's what we want. (laughs) But guess what? It's not going to always be wonderful. We live in Ohio. Now, my wife's going, because she wants to go to Florida in the winter. But I want to go to Montana in the winter. (laughs) And in the summer and in the spring and just all the time. Because you get out there and you see this planet, this dirt, and you think, this is wonderful. This, this is great. There's gophers out there. Cody and, and his family went to Montana a couple years ago, and I said, take your rifles with you. There's things called gophers, and it's a blast. And that's just God's pastimes to shoot gophers in Montana. Like, it's, it's what people do. Well, there's nothing on TV. Let's go shoot some gophers. And it's a blast. They went out and bought some rifles while they were there because they didn't have enough. They, and they said, let's go gopher hunting in Montana this weekend. And that's, I mean... That's God's country out there. You, you guys thought you had it made in Ohio. There's a place that's better than this. But <laughs> but then we were talking this morning about the weather. You know why we complain about the weather? Because this earth is cursed even by the weather. I know my, Christy despises cold weather. My sister, Wyatt was going to make you a snowman. He said, but Dawn said she doesn't like the snow. <laughs> Some people just hate cold weather. How many of you hate cold weather? All of you? <laughs> really? I, I, don't, I hate wet weather. I hate muddy weather. I was talking to somebody a while back. I said, I actually get a little depressed when it rains. I think I've worked so much in the outside and so much of my life has revolved around rain that when it starts raining, I see posts on Facebook, don't you just love the rain hitting the roof? And I'm like, I get a little depressed when it rains. I don't like rain. I know we have to have it, but I, 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 like, I want it to be dry by morning, and then we'll get at it, and then it can rain that night. And 
Hey, the reason the weather is the way it is is because this world is sin-cursed. It, it groans and travails because of sin. Hey, God is not in charge of this dominion as of yet. He, he's not the king of this world. So when we look at the fiery trials that we have in this world, it's because God's not 100% in charge. Satan is. Hey, when we get cancer, that's because of sin. When people die, that's because of sin. Sin has a grip on this world that will not end until Jesus Christ comes and says, move aside, I'm taking over. So our fiery trials, they're not strange. Don't think it's strange that everything's not going to go perfect. Hey, sometimes when I think of this, and if you're wicked like me and you see your neighbor that falls into that mud puddle and comes out with a wad of $100 bills, uh, hey, uh, that's not what my father think is, thinks is best for me. Am I right? Hey, my father knows that if I had something like that, I probably wouldn't be wise with it or not, not just a $100 bill, but I, I might take my focus and direction off of him and look at worldly things. A am I right? I might focus more on things of this world than I do on things of the world to come. If I maybe I'm just wicked like that. Maybe, maybe you can have just oodles and goodles of money and be a good Christian. I don't think that I could. I don't know. I'd like to try it for a couple weeks. <laughs> but if we're not careful, we'll have so much focus on material things that we'll forget about spiritual things. Or is anybody else just as wicked as me like that aspect of it? I'd like to try it. Maybe, maybe just try it for a couple weeks. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> uh, but... See, we get so focused on the trials that really don't matter to anything. The trials that you and I sometimes suffer aren't really trials at all, are they? They're just material stuff. You know, I go out in the morning and I've got three trucks that won't start and two of them's got flat tires and I think that's a trial. <laughs> How many of you are just as spiritual as me? Nothing's going right today. Come kicking around the house and my spiritual wife's like, and I'm like, this is the worst trial ever. Nothing's going right. Nothing works. Nothing, everything's going wrong. This is such a spiritual trial that I'm going through. And she's going. <laughs> That's just how spiritual I am. That's not a trial. Maybe, maybe it is a trial. I don't know. I, it's, sometimes it's hard to say what the spiritual trials are. But Peter's saying, Beloved, think not it strange concerning the fiery trials that is trying you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't think it weird. Don't think it's strange. <coughs> Verse number 13. Ooh, this is the tough one. But rejoice. <laughs> what? <laughs> rejoice in a trial? Are you nuts? No, rejoice in that trial. Um, I often wonder how joyful my children are when we're in the middle of a roundhouse spanking in the middle of the house. Are they just happy about that? <laughs> And I think back to myself, hmm, was I happy in the middle of a roundhouse spanking in the middle of our house? <laughs> I don't think I was very happy. I, I, I don't. I don't think I was very happy at the time. But do you know what? I'm glad that I had a dad that loved me enough to discipline me. Now, I, I wasn't probably thinking that at the time. Okay, I promise you I wasn't thinking that at the time. <clears throat> I, w I am glad that I had someone at home that I feared. Because you know what? I had some friends that I would hang out with and we'd be doing stuff at their house and I'm like, won't your dad kill you? And they're like, no, he don't care. And looking back on that, I think, hmm, 
guess I'm glad I had somebody that would put me through some fiery trials. And you know the guy that, that we're all thinking about that falls in the mud puddle and comes out with a wad of $100? I know a guy that that actually happened to, I swear, because, <laughs> hey, he doesn't have the trials that you and I do. But if he does have the trials that you and I do, is he going to rejoice in the middle of those trials? No. Do you know why? Because you and I that have this Bible and we often know why we're going through a trial, we don't rejoice. How many of you would be honest enough and bold enough that say when you're in the middle of a trial, you rejoice? Anybody? There ain't a one of us. Now, if we did, how would that, how would that differ? How would that change things? Wouldn't that change things like 100%? Wouldn't that totally change our outlook on the trial that we were going through if we rejoiced during that trial? Ooh, that's tough to, tough to even think about, isn't it? Isn't that what Peter's telling us to? Hey, think it not strange that you're going through a trial. You're, you're, these fiery trials that you're going through, everybody's going to go through them. Hey, and while you're going through them, rejoice. What would happen if you were in the middle of a trial, you decided to not have a pity party, but you decided to rejoice? Would that maybe lessen that trial? I think it would. I can't tell you from experience because I don't know. I'm not that spiritual. I've not listened to the Bible enough. I will tell you this, though, <clears throat> that after looking at this this week, the next time... Well, tomorrow, <laughs> when I go through a trial tomorrow, <laughs> I am going to do my best to rejoice. And I am going to do my best to be accountable and to report back to you next Sunday if that worked. Now, how many of you would like to join me and say, I'm probably going to go through a trial or two this week? It may not be a great big, huge, fiery one. It might just be a little stingy dart one. My you said something to me this week about Wade. I forget what it was. She said fiery darts. I forget what it was. <clears throat> what she was telling me didn't stick, but the fiery darts stuck. <laughs> That's my ADD, I think, probably kicking in. <laughs> but do you know who else throws fiery darts? This is why it stuck with me. <laughs> the Bible says that Satan is going to throw fiery darts at us. Fiery darts. And when she said fiery darts, I'm like, calling me the devil she must be calling me the devil because <clears throat> I'm throwing fiery darts at her kid but with that coming this week we will all everybody in this room will have fiery darts thrown at us isn't that amazing we could we could come back here next Sunday morning and we could and I could say did you have a fiery maybe just one little fiery dart at you this week and I guarantee everybody's hand would go up now if, I want you to think about that this week Say, okay, be on the lookout for these fiery darts. And when that fiery dart comes, if you just do this. Wow, that was nice. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, that was perfect. Would that... <laughs> no, no. I, I'm not being sarcastic. That's not a sarcastic voice. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> not non-sarcastic. 
it's all dependent on attitude. <laughs> Rejoice. Because it's just hard for me to go, woohoo, thank you, yes, that's great. It's just hard for me to picture myself doing that. <laughs> but if we did have that attitude of not, oh, this is the worst thing that's happened all week. This was worse than what happened yesterday. If we all had that attitude, oh, thank you. I'll, I'll know some, sometime later this week. Or, hey, here's the thing about it. Sometimes we may never know. You may never know what that fiery dart is going, to, going through you or into you for. And so many times we try to put on the fake front to where people think that we're the guy that falls in the mud and comes out. How's it going? It, everything's going great. It's perfect. Sometimes we're the, oh, it's going so bad. Isn't there ever any middle ground? <laughs> Just can't seem to get quite balanced like that, can we? Oh, let's keep going. I feel like I'm rambling. I got a point here I want to get to. But rejoice, rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Hey, I doubt that any of us this week are going to go through a fiery trial close to anything that Jesus Christ went through. Could, could you agree with that? Remember last week he had, he had a bunch of people that he ministered and followed him around from town to town. And then he had 12 and then he had a few, two or three. Hey, they all forsook him. He lost all of his friends, even old Peter. And if that wasn't bad enough, remember what he said on the cross? Why hast thou forsaken me? Even God forsook him. And if that wasn't enough, people were plucking out his beard, spitting in his face, nailed him to a cross, and stuck a spear in his side. I doubt that'll happen to any of us this week. So when we think our fiery trials are going just as bad as they possibly could, hey, it's nothing like Jesus Christ went to. Look at this. That when his glory shall be revealed, you might be glad also with... So not just rejoicing, but exceeding joy. What is that that's looking back on it? Oh, I, I, yeah, I know. Okay, that makes sense now. Hey, do you, do you think... I know. I don't even, you don't even have to ask and think. But Jesus Christ was so willing to die in our place that he went to the cross with joy. He went to the cross happy for you and me. Exceeding joy. That's what going through a trial and rejoicing is all about. You know, at any point he could have said, mm, it, no, Evan's not worth it. <laughs> he could have. At, at any point, mm, no, Tim's not worth it. At, at any point he could have done that. He could have said, mm, I'd just go home. But he didn't because he saw that the trial that he was going through was worth it. Hey, the trial that he went through saved you and I. I'm going to give you the gospel real quick that only by his death, burial, and resurrection can you and I be saved. There's nothing else that, can, nothing else that will work. We can't be good enough. We can't be baptized enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't give enough. Nothing will save us from our sins but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's it. Nothing else. And you know what will keep you saved? the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will keep us saved. 
Not by our abstaining from this or abstaining from that or being a good guy. Not by being a preacher. None of that will keep us saved except for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If it was good enough to save me, why isn't it good enough to keep me saved? Am I right? <clears throat> that His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse number 14. And if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Now, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of see a progression. Because I think... It's been so much of a whiny, baby, weak Christian thing, so much in our country, that we often see, what's the big word? Persecution. We're persecuted as Christians. Maybe I'm different, maybe I'm weird, and, and help me out if I'm wrong, but I have never felt like I've been persecuted as a Christian. Anybody? Has, has anybody in 2017 in the United States ever felt like you were persecuted as a Christian? I, I really don't. I mean, I think that time is coming. I, th I know that that is the case in other countries around the world. But the United States has a bunch of spoiled, baby, weak Christians. That's it. That's the flat truth, without powder coating it or anything. The United States has baby, weak, pansy Christians. Because we're not persecuted for our faith. We have nothing to be ashamed of, do we? I mean, really, I don't. What I see is oftentimes new Christians, they get saved and they're like, and then they realize this is going to change what people think of them. Getting saved will change what people think of you. It will. And they might be a little drawn back, a little pulled back, and they think, hmm, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready for my friends to think of me like that. So I'll just kind of keep it low-key. It's, it's the low-key Christian, I call it. It's the baby Christian. But then, I mean, you're saved. You're full of the Holy Ghost. And when you begin to shuck off and cut off pieces and portions and aspects of your life, and you realize what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for you, and you then begin to realize what these fiery trials in your life are for, then you get pretty serious about Christianity, am I right? Has anybody kind of seen that progression in your life? And then you get to the point to where you're like, who cares what my friends think? <laughs> am, I, am I right? Has anybody ever come to that point? I don't care what my friends think. Who cares what they think of me? We, it seems like we've been grown up in a day and an age where we, we're only concerned about what other people think of us. And when we're only concerned about what other people think of us, those people have power over us. I don't, want them, I don't want them to think I'm one of them Bible thumpers. I don't want them to think I'm weird. Hey, you surrender to preach and you'll really find out what people like. What? <clears throat> but that is about the extent of persecution that I can imagine in 2017 in the United States that your friends might make fun of you. That, that's about the only persecution I can see. That somebody on Facebook in the comments section might, might rouse you a little bit. That somebody in the comment section on YouTube might make fun of you. So? <laughs> Who cares? Am I, am I right? That's the only persecution I can really see in our day and time. So if we have nothing to a fear, why are we so weak? 
Think about that. Because most Christians are too afraid to go out and tell someone how to be saved. How, how many of you would just like rather walk across the street carrying two buckets of rocks than to ask the person at the pump across from you if they know where they're going to spend eternity? I have so been there. That is so me. Like, are you serious? You want me to what? And then when you think, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I, I remember Cody telling me this story that like the first time he just said, I'm not carrying these stupid buckets of rocks anymore. I'm going to ask that person where they're spending eternity. It was in a Walmart parking lot. Hey, it's real easy to practice on people you don't know. <laughs> it was at a Walmart parking lot, and he just asked this lady right there in the middle of Walmart parking lot, hey, are you, are you, I don't know, I forget how it went, but he basically said, hey, are you going to heaven when you croak? <laughs> hey, I, I, I remember taking that first step too. But do you know what? I feared persecution before that. I feared that person would slam a door in my face. Do you know why it, I didn't go door knocking for a long time? Because I heard all these horror stories that people would slam the door in your face, and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't want that. How many of you just look forward to it? Like, I think it'd just be great to go out this afternoon and have somebody slam the door in my face and call me an idiot. That, that sounds like a good pastime. <laughs> but we think that that's what's going to happen, don't we? Well, I don't want them to think anything weird of me. I don't want them to think, oh, they're a Bible thumper now. They're going to come, oh, they're inviting me to church. You know what that means. They just want my money. Why, why do we have that mentality? Does anybody else fear that? What are you afraid to say now? I get you on the spot. I think we're all down deep afraid to think, afraid of what people think. We're, we're afraid of this persecution that really doesn't exist in our day and time. And we want to keep our faith in it locked up in a box and in the closet so nobody will judge our faith. Right? Or they might not think that we're weird. Maybe. Look at this. When his, uh, if you're approached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory of God resteth upon you. Look at this. In their part he is evil spoken of. Now, we're not talking about us. We're talking about God. We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about we're afraid that He'd be evil spoken of. No, no, no. Look what it says. But on your part, He is glorified. But let none of you suffer. Here, here we go. This, this, is, almost like, this is almost part two. We've got to hurry. <clears throat> but let none of you suffer... As a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or a busybody in others' men's matters. <clears throat> hey, Peter says, I, I don't want you to be any of those things. Look at that. Uh, suffer as a murderer, as a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody. You know, when the Bible gives us lists like this, I, I, I kind of always look at the list. And I look at who, are, who is named in those lists. I look at what's named in those lists. And I see murderer. That's bad, right? Is that bad? That's bad. Thief, is that bad? There is nothing worse than a thief in my book. <clears throat> and a what? A busybody. What is a busybody? That is somebody else, somebody that doesn't have anything better to do than stick their nose in your business. Does anybody know a busybody? They're everywhere. They're at your work. 
They're at your school. They might be in your family. They might be in the church. That's a busybody. And they're in the list of murderers and thieves. Busybodies? Hmm. Interesting. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now I told you, that's probably hard to do in 2017 in the United States to suffer as a Christian. Am I right? I heard this question posed one time, and I think it was that Lee Strobel, I think is the guy that came up with it. But he asked, if it was him, that if you were to go in the court of law and they were going to try you as, as being a Christian, is there enough evidence to back up that claim? Something like that. Is that right, Keith? Are you my quote guy? I'm close. <laughs> I'm close. <laughs> enough to convict you, yes. See, I, get them. I get halfway there. <laughs> is there enough to convict you of being a... Was that Lee Strobel? Is that who said that? Do you remember? Did I get that part right? Keith gave me a book this thick of quotes from everybody. <laughs> i got to study that a little more. But is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? That's interesting. I think that came out about 10 years ago, and I really had to ask myself, is there enough evidence to me being convicted of a Christian? Now, we think, well, of course, we're at church. I mean, our car's out in the parking lot. If somebody drove by and took a picture, does that make you a Christian? No. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Hmm, well, somebody might see us praying over our food at a restaurant. Hmm, does that make you a Christian? No. Yeah, uh, this happened, who was it? I, I, this Years ago, me and a couple of buddies of mine, we were at McDonald's. Oh, we were in Columbus for training. We were at McDonald's training for Columbus. Three of us were sitting at this table at McDonald's, nice fine dining, you know, with the flower, the fake flowers on the table. And we just prayed for our food. And this, uh, this guy gets up, walks over to our table. And he said, it's amazing what I just witnessed. And I'm, we're like, what? He said, you three men prayed for your food. He said, I have never, he said, I've seen family, he said, I watch for this kind of thing. He said, I've seen families pray for their, pray at a table. He said, I've seen, you know, couples. He said, but I have never, in the time that I've been paying attention, ever seen three or four guys sit down at a table and pray for their meal. And I thought, really? So you know what I've done in the past three or four years since this has happened? I've looked for that. One time have I seen that. And I even look for families. Not on Sunday. Everybody prays for their food on Sunday. I know that. <laughs> Got your church clothes on, going to McDonald's, fret fine dining. Everybody prays for their food on Sunday, right? <clears throat> but, but I've really looked for that. And you know, it's hard to find. It's hard to find. Do you, do you know what that tells me and my family? That it's more important that we do that. Because people are looking. People are watching. Hey, we're not in fear of persecution in 2017 for praying over our meal. Remember we talked a couple Sunday nights ago? That's something else we do here. It starts at 6 o'clock. As we talked about a guy, Antipas. Antipas went to the church of, somebody's going to have to help me, I think it's Pergamos. Antipas was a member of the church of Pergamos. 
they found out that Antipas was a member of the church at Pergamos in this pagan city. So they caught Antipas. We don't know the details, but they caught Antipas outside and they sacrificed Antipas in the street for being a member of that church. Uh, that's persecution. That's absolute persecution. Do you know <clears throat> that there is an endangered species in major towns in Turkey, which is where we're talking about these seven churches in Revelation on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. When you come back tonight, you'll find out more detail. But there is an extinction happening in Turkey. That extinction is Christians in Turkey, where the New Testament church took off like wildfire because they will drag, if they find out you're a Christian, they will chop your head off. Hey, that's being persecuted for Jesus Christ. Uh, somebody commenting on your Facebook page, that's not. Your friends making fun of you, that's not. When I read verses like this that anybody suffer as a Christian, I don't think we have the foggiest idea of what suffering like a Christian means in the world. We think that a Christian means we a couple times a month. We think that being a Christian just means that we have a Bible in our house. We think that just being American makes us Christian, right? I'm glad for that. But being an American doesn't make you a Christian. Coming to this church doesn't make you a Christian. Putting money in an offering plate doesn't make you a Christian. Praying for a meal at McDonald's doesn't make you a Christian. <clears throat> Look what it goes on to say. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, glorify God on his behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it be, uh, first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? Uh, that's what makes you a Christian, obeying the gospel. What is obeying the gospel? It is putting your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what obeying the gospel is. What is it when we obey? It means we do what we're supposed to do. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's obeying the gospel. That is obeying the Bible. Let's keep going here. For <laughs> And if the righteous scarcely be saved, what does that word scarcely mean? Some of you from Kentucky, you know what that means. Hardly, barely, almost. That's scarcely. <clears throat> we scarcely got out of that one. <laughs> it's barely. Do I use that right? Smidge, smidge, <laughs> uh, smidge. Uh, skosh, I know what a skosh is. <clears throat> hey, if the righteous scarcely be saved, what? Barely be saved? Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? You know, that, that kind of puts a whole new outlook on being a Christian, doesn't it? Now, being a Christian is not complicated. Being a Christian is not hard to do. But look at this verse. Hey, if the righteous can scarcely be saved, what does that mean? That means to me that there's a lot more people out there that think they're saved. There's a lot more people that think they're Christian than what really are. Am I right? Do you know in Jesus' time who the righteous were? <laughs> in fact, what he said 
He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and Pharisees. Do you know people looked at those scribes and Pharisees as perfect Christians? We're going to modern it up a little bit. They didn't go where they weren't supposed to. They didn't dress the way they weren't supposed to. They, they followed all God's laws, and they were the ones that people looked at as, ooh, that's what you're supposed to be. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and Pharisees. And you know, when people heard that, they thought, we can't do that. We, we can't be good enough. We, we, can't, we can't act like those guys. Do you know that's what keeps most lost people from being saved? Because they look at Christians and they think, I can't, I can't do that. I, I can't live that. <clears throat> There's somebody that goes to church here and they, I, I, I led them to Jesus Christ. And do you know that was their phrase that came out of their mouth? I, I said, why won't you get saved? Give me one good reason why you won't get saved. Do you know what she said? I can't live it. <laughs> and I said, you're right. You can't live it. Nobody can live it. It's only the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. We have, that, we have skewed that so much in Christianity that it's just sickening. I can't be a good enough person. Yeah, I know, you can't. I can't live good enough. You're right, you can't. I can't be holy enough. You're right. Get over it. <laughs> you can't be. It's only through the righteous, sinless, perfect blood of Jesus Christ that you can be saved. Your righteousness won't do it. Where shall the ungodly and sinner and the sinner appear? Underneath that. Underneath the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I think, I think sometimes I, I feel like I... How do I put this nicely? I remind us too often how sinful we are. That's a real nice way of putting it, isn't it? Do I remind us how sinful we are? And <clears throat> Do I use scripture like, There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none good, no, not one. Do I, do I use all those a lot and kind of break down? I hope you don't feel that way. I really don't. But what I do is try to bring our pride down a couple notches because some of you might have been saved for 60, 70, 155 years. And you forget how wicked you can be or are. Hey, and if someone comes in here that's lost, I want them to know that you guys aren't a bunch of religious hypocrites. I want our hypocrisy to be wide open for everybody to see. <laughs> I don't want us to hide our hypocrisy at all. I want us to know that before you can be saved, you must be lost. That is a prerequisite for salvation, is it not? That before you realize that you're lost. And before Jesus Christ will save you, you have to realize that you need a Savior. And if you didn't need a Savior, Jesus Christ would have never come to this earth. But you needed a Savior. Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? That's what we have to realize. We have to acknowledge that. That it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. Let's keep going. We've got to keep more verses. Or one more. <clears throat> Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Remember how I said whenever I see the will of God in my Bible, I underline it? I just That's, that's underlined in there. That sometimes your sufferings and your fiery trials 
are to try you because why? It's the will of God. Hey, do you think that Antipas, for him to be slain in the street, was the will of God? Yeah. If it wasn't, it wouldn't have happened. Committing the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. That's, that's what we're talking about. Who is the keeper of our souls? If you're saved, it's God. D do you think he's going to lose it? Where'd he go? Where's Evan at? I thought, I don't know. No biggie. <laughs> no biggie. <laughs> do you know how God, do you know how faithful God is? How many of you wondered if the sun was going to come up this morning? I didn't. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even, I didn't even think about whether the sun was going to come up this morning. I just knew it would. Do you know NASA knows when the next eclipse is going to be? 2000-something. It's coming right by here. 2019, is it? How do they know that? How do they know when the next full solar eclipse is going to be? Within the exact like tenth of a mile where that's going to be in the same pattern all across our country. How do they know that years in advance? Because that's how faithful God is. He's that faithful. If he's faithful enough that we can, isn't it funny how we call it predict the next, <laughs> we don't predict anything. <laughs> how do we know when the next solar eclipse is going to be? Because God's that faithful. And if he's faithful to control a sun, do you think he's not faithful enough? to keep keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. That's what keeps us saved. Evan, being good, doesn't keep him saved. <laughs> he walked in this morning, I'm like, wow, two Sundays off in a row, they're going to fire you at work. He's like, I like to come to church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change his mind about that. <laughs> hey, what keeps me saved is my, me not being a good person. What, what keeps me saved is me not being a good guy. What, what keeps me saved is me not coming to church every week. It, it, if, if our salvation depended on us coming to church every week, half of you would be lost already. <laughs> More than half of you would be lost if your coming to church kept you saved. That's not what keeps us saved. It's the faithfulness of God is what keeps us saved. So let me ask you this. Has anybody in here ever sinned once? You're all shaking your heads. So if you've sinned once, you must need a Savior. Am I right? What time is it? Is that clock out of whack? We're all going to be here this long? Huh? Well, let's wrap this up. <laughs> here I was thinking it was running fast. I'm like, surely it's not that late already. <clears throat> if you've ever sinned, you need a Savior. Somebody's going to get me a bigger... They're going to swap the clock out from downstairs. <laughs> if you've ever sinned, you need a Savior. That's the truth. You can't save yourself. You can't do it. Your blood is tainted. And it's tainted because Adam, your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, gave you a sin that was inherited. The only thing that will take away one sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And not just one, but all of them. And that's why he died on the cross 2,000 years ago was to pay for your sin and for my sin. And if you lay your head on your pillow tonight and think, where am I going to spend eternity if I don't wake up? Where will that be? 
I wonder, have I been a good enough person? Nope. Have I been baptized enough? Nope. Have I gone to church enough? Nope. None of that matters. It's only when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible makes it so clear. In Romans chapter number 10 says this, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, it's so simple. It's the simplicity of the gospel. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't have to have an altar call. You don't have to fill out a... You don't have to have me come to your house. You don't have to have any kind of religious junk. It's just between you and God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you need to do that today, you can do it right now. God save me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, Lord. And as we've gone along and covered some subjects, Lord, I, I think that it would be beneficial to us as we go out this week, Lord, to be mindful of the trials that we'll go through. Lord, there's going to be trials. And Lord, that we would rejoice in the middle of that trial, that we would give you glory in that trial. And Lord, that we would think to ourselves that you might be using this trial for your will and your good. And Lord, that as we go out this week, I pray that you would have each and every one of us examine our hearts. And Lord, whether or not we're saved or not. And Lord, if there's someone that's not saved, it's not complicated, Lord. It's simple. It's the simplicity of the gospel that Jesus Christ died in our place to pay for our sins, Lord, that we might live for eternity, that we can be born again by the Spirit of God. And if someone in this room is not saved, Lord, I pray that they would get that settled before it's too late. And Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the unction that as we go out this week that we would, we would have the courage and the boldness to ask someone across the gas pump from us. Lord, that we would, as many of us will be going to family members this week for Thanksgiving, Lord, that we would have the boldness and the courage as we're talking to family and loved ones and strangers this week, that we would just ask them if they're born again, if they know they're going to heaven. Lord, what a, a shame that would be for us to let our own <coughs> cowardice, our own uh, uh, hypocrisy get in the way of anything like that, Lord. I just pray that you give us the boldness this week as it comes to that. Lord, I pray that you bring us back tonight at 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, Lord, if they can't make it, I don't want them to have a flat tire. I just pray that you'd watch over them and, Lord, uh, uh, convict them to come back tonight. And I pray that you'd do that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're late.